Welcome to the Grace Avenue Church Podcast, where we believe that the grace of God is yours to live. It is our prayer that this message will help you experience God's freedom, live your potential, and make the impact you were created for. Now here's the message. How y'all doing this morning? It's been a good week. Uh, Got to spend some time in Portland uh, with the wife. And I would say that Portland, after years of traveling, Portland has the best food in the entire world. So if you ever go to Portland, uh, gain 20 pounds over the week and then come back. It's worth it. It was so good. Uh, I was there with uh, Pastor Frank DiMazio, who is my coach, my mentor, leader, pastor, uh, the one who has uh, just helped shape and develop me over the last few years so, so much. And guess what? Next week, he is with us next Sunday, right here at Race Avenue. <clears throat> So uh, if you don't know who he is, uh, he's written uh, over 60 books. He's been pastoring over 40 years, uh, pastored a massive church that he just uh, passed on a couple of years ago and handed off. Uh, now focuses on speaking around the world. I was with him for about three weeks over at uh, Hillsong Church uh, in Sydney back in April. Spent a lot of time with him there. I think he spoke 25 times in the seven days that I was with him. 25 times. And he'd been there a week before speaking uh, up north in Australia. So he's a beast. He's a machine. And uh, next week, he's with us. So, um, you know, when you grew up and your, your, your parents would tell you, you have to go see Grandpa so-and-so because he's 55 now and he could die at any moment, right? <laughs> and then he's 65 and then 75 and then 85. But you always grew up hearing that, that you know, uh, not that he's going to die any moment, but just the fact that, that he's a treasure to our church and uh, so I'm, I'm putting the parent manipulation on you. You have to be here next Sunday, or we will send the ushers to drag you out in your pajamas to be here. Uh, but seriously, next week when he comes, uh, could we, uh, he's been suffering some physical pain in his leg from uh, the cancer that he overcame. He was healed of cancer a couple of years ago, and he's been back on track, but it did some nerve damage in his leg. And so it's caused him some pretty severe pain. Uh, I would just like when he comes for that physical pain uh, to be off of his mind and the standing ovation that we give him and the, the hunger that we have to hear what he has to say, it just takes his mind off of that and he's just focused on pouring investing to us. So when he comes next week, can we just stand up, cheer him on, shout him down, give him everything we've got? It's going to be a good Sunday. Amen? Amen. Amen. So today we are talking about staying on track, how we stay on track. Uh, it may sound simplistic in nature. It may sound, sound, sound simplistic in title. But let me tell you that where I, I got this from was there were years and years ago, I was uh, at an app session uh, at a big conference, about 152 people, 200 people there, and it was on marriage. And there was this man that was uh, teaching it, and he'd been married for 40 years. That's a long time. He'd been married for 40 years. And in that time, he'd been teaching uh, the majority of that time marriage classes and mar- in a marriage conference, and it was tons of marriage content. So I went to this thing, and I thought, okay, man, this, I'm not married yet, but this guy's got the goods. He's, he can teach me something. So learned all kinds of great stuff, took all kinds of notes. The next year, I asked some friends, hey, is that guy teaching the marriage app next week, uh, next, at the next conference? They said, oh, no, no, he's not. He's actually, he's actually not married anymore. I said, what? They said, yeah, yeah, he, he got a divorce. He ended up cheating on his wife. I think he was like in his mid-70s already. And I just remember thinking, man, just like a playboy at 75. I don't know. I don't know about it. That's not exactly what I want to. It's not the vision I have for my life. But nevertheless, it showed me, it, it showed me this. It does not matter how much you know. 
It does not matter how long you've taught something. It doesn't matter how many people you've reached or equipped. What matters is if you finish. And in order to finish, we have to stay on track. And to stay on track, there's some things I believe that, that are clear to us. Obviously, Jesus spent a lot of time along with Paul investing in, in, into us to help us understand there's a race we're called to run. There's a track we're to be on. So I want to talk about that today. Because uh, for, for many of us, it really doesn't matter um, how much we know, how long we've gone to church, how much scripture we know. That dude knew a lot of the Bible, and he knew a lot. <laughs> he'd prayed more than I had. He'd been married longer than I had. He, he knew he had a lot of things, okay? But somehow he got off track in this area, and it ended up costing him his marriage. And I believe that when Jesus called us, uh, he wasn't calling us to an experiment, he wasn't calling us to an experiment. I mean, like he wasn't like, well, okay, I've got this massive ego, ego complex. I've got the savior complex and don't know what to do with my life. This carpenter thing really isn't working out. So I think I'm going to try and rally people around me. I'm going to try and do some miracles, uh, turn some loaves and fish into many more and just, and just get some people to follow me and let's just see where this thing leads. He was very clear to people on investing in them a mindset that said, count the cost of what it means to follow me. So he compelled us to really take stock of what it means to stay on track. And I think staying on track is not just, you know, being dragged across the finish line and getting into heaven. I believe it's finishing strong the way God has called us, the way he's built us and what he's called us to do. I'm going to go to Galatians chapter 6, verses 4 through 5. The Apostle Paul speaking, talking about living for Christ, living as Christians. He's talking about doing good for people in this chapter. And he says this. This is the message version, <clears throat> the message translation. He says, make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you've been given. And then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best that you can with your own life, right? So what's he saying there? He's telling us we've got to think long term. Uh, we've got to think big picture. Uh, we've got to think about what we're starting, how we're actually going to finish. Anybody really great at starting things but, but not, not finishing them? Right. Any, one honest person who's going to heaven. Three honest The rest are not going to heaven. <laughs> Beyond this day. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm the type of guy that will see like, oh, my gosh, there's a giant piece of wood. Like, oh, I'm going to put this in my truck. I'm taking it. I'll put it in my garage. And Janelle's like, what is that for? I don't know, but I'm going to use it for something someday. I don't have a carpentry background. I don't even have any saws. or I, I don't know. I just know at some point that piece of wood is going to be good for something. And <laughs> I've started something, but I haven't finished it. And that piece of wood will stay there for like two years and then Janelle will be like, can we finally get rid of this? Like, All right, well, let me give it to Josh. He can build something with it. It's a good piece. I don't want it to go to waste, right? Like, I'm great at start because I have vision for things. But having vision for something doesn't mean you're going to finish something. And what I'm trying to help us understand this morning is that Paul was pointing out that in order for us to finish, we have to take what he says is a careful exploration of who we are and what we've been given. Let's go there for a second. That's what he says. Take a, a careful exploration of who you are 
and the work that you've been given, what you're responsible for, what you're called to, what you're, what you're doing right now. Now, I want to I use this phrase, careful exploration, because a careful exploration, in my mind, and what I read from Scripture, should not lead us to a place of condemnation yeah. and self-pity and victimization about how horrible we are or how off we are or what's wrong with us. It, a careful exploration should lead us to a greater understanding of how great Jesus is and that he's the standard that we're reaching for and that he's the bar that my bar that I said is not the bar that's high what he has said that's what I want to reach I don't want to be good enough I want to be who Christ says I am I want to be what he's called me to be I want to live as good as he wants me to live not how I as good as I want want to live So a careful exploration should lead me to see that Jesus has set the bar. Jesus has set the standard. He's the model. That's what I want to shoot for. Uh, Because obviously, uh, I think a challenge for us in this generation is, is when we do a careful exploration, often we find ourselves feeling bad about ourselves. That wasn't the goal. The goal is to see how good God is. Not everything that's wrong with me, but how good God is. Careful exploration leads to self-awareness. Self-awareness leads to greater dependency on God and how we receive from God. You ever ever find somebody that's not self-aware at all and they don't know that they do something that's really like just out there? Or maybe you imitate somebody or you impersonate somebody and you end up doing it better than them. Has anybody impersonated you before? And they'll tell you, you know, oh, every time you're mad, you do this. And you're like, no, I don't. Yes, you do. No, I don't. I do not. Yes, you're doing it right now. You see, there you go. That thing with your head and your eye. You get mad, and that's what you do. Sometimes people know you better than you know yourself. Because they've done a careful exploration of who you are. And they know you better than you know yourself. And what I'm trying to say here is when we're not self-aware, it robs us of influence and it robs and affects our opportunities. How can I be effective in places God has called me to reach if I don't even know who I am and what I'm good at or what I'm doing that's messing everything up? You know, there's a lot of times people like to limit it to, you know, uh, is it the right place or the right time? Is it the right person in the, in the right time in the right place? Well, it may be the right person and it may be the right place and it may be the right time. They still may not have the goods because they're not self-aware. Does that make sense? Companies take chances on people. Sports teams take chances on people. They got the uniform. They got the look. They got the training. They got the background. They've got the hard work ethic. And then you put them in the mix and you see what happens. Are they self-aware? And here, a careful exploration, I believe, is, is something, like I said, that should lead us to a greater awareness of God. David prayed it like this, Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there's any offensive way in me. And lead me in the way that's everlasting. You want to talk about a serious prayer, man. (laughs) Like, anybody get pulled over by the cops and get nervous when they pull you over? It's been a while for me, but back in the day, it used to make me nervous, right? And, you know, the the reality is, like, when when you're being searched... If you've got something to hide, sometimes you're nervous, right? If there's a search warrant for your house, you might be nervous. So this is Grace Avenue. This isn't heaven. There might be some people here that are a little nervous. 
especially the 1145 servers. There's a lot of nervous people in the 1145. They were like, oh, search warrant, bro? Oh, no, not the, not the car, man. Not the car, not the trunk, not the trunk, bro. No. Not under the seat. Oh, you know. He prayed, search me, oh God. Know my heart. Can you imagine praying that to God? God, search my heart. Go in with a warrant. Clean outs. Tell me what you find. Know my heart. And then he goes even further. Test me. Oh, Jesus. I don't want any test. The search was bad enough. But test me and then know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So it's not like just see if there's any offensive way in me. Okay, now there is. Now I feel depressed. No, it's lead me in the way that's everlasting. It's pull me out of this self-pity or this victimized mindset about how bad I am and lead me in the everlasting way of how good God is. We don't stop with the careful exploration and then realize how we're off. We realize the goodness of God. So a careful exploration looks like this. It begs us to ask the question, number one, who, who are you? Who are you? Paul was repeatedly in, in 2 Corinthians chapters 2 and 3 talking to us about being people of example. And he, he says in one phrase that we're living epistles, living letters. The books of the Bible, we call them books. They're actually letters to cities and letters to churches. Um, these are epistles. These are living letters, living letters to people that still live in our lives today. This is what he says to us. He says it in this verse. The only letter of recommendation we need is you yourselves. Your lives are a letter written on our hearts. Everyone can read it and recognize our good work among you. 2 Corinthians 3.2. That's a pretty big deal. Because he's saying, I, I don't need a book. I don't need a, a, a description of who you are. You are the description of everything that Jesus is. Just live your life. Man, I want that to be said about my life. I can only say that if I'm doing a careful exploration of who I am. Who am I? Who are you? Have you asked God to search those areas of your life that, that, need, that are out there for people to read so that when people read your life and my life that they see, not just that we have a title on the Christian, not that we have a... You know, something on the car that tells people that we're Christians, not... Not that we post a scripture on Facebook, but they see our life. They see our, our interactions with people, how we treat people, how we treat people, that, treat people that can do nothing for us, how we interact with the, quote, nobodies of life or people who aren't important, quote, around us. That's what people need to see. Second Corinthians 2.15, Paul goes even further and he says that we are, he uses this phrase, we are the aroma of Christ to a world that is being saved and a world that is perishing. To those who are being saved and that those are, that are falling away from God were the aroma of Christ, right? When you walk into a restaurant and there's an aroma in the restaurant, that, that, that aroma carries and you know exactly what they're cooking up, right? What's cooking up when you walk into a room? What do people smell on you? Oh, great, here comes so-and-so. He's always so negative. Oh, here comes so-and-so. He complains about everything. Oh, here's so-and-so. He's always talking about everybody else. Oh, here's, like, like what is on us? What are we not self-aware about that we need to be aware about? We won't know if we're not doing a careful exploration of who we are. That leads to life, not to condemnation, right? 
I'm just trying to help us with this this morning because I think it's so important. He says, a careful exploration of who you are and the work that you've been given. What's the work that you've been given? What are the, what are the unique gifts and talents that you possess? What is the uniqueness that makes you who you are? The thing that makes you what you are, what you do, how you impact people, how doors open for you, how have you taken stock of that and done a careful exploration of it? Because when we're not focused on who we are and who God is shaping us to be, and when we're not focused on the work that we've been given to do in the season that we're in, what does it lead to? It leads to distractions. Distractions lead to delays. Delays lead to discouragement. Discouragement often came from a lot of times uh, a delay thing didn't happen in my life the way I thought it would, the timing that I would. Anybody ever put themselves in that position where you thought, hey, there was, by this time, this is how my life's going to work out. And, and I prayed about it. I even prayed about it at the altar on Sunday. And somebody prayed with me. And, man, this is how it's going to work out by next year. God's going to do it. And then he doesn't do it. And you're eating a pint of ice cream watching <laughs> reruns of your favorite show thinking, you know, I don't even know if I want to go to church anymore, you know. <laughs> it's like, what, what, what happened? You got discouraged. You, you got depressed. You, you, you put yourself into this time frame that wasn't necessarily God's makeup. And I think that in every season, what, what he's telling us to do is to take careful exploration of who we are and what we've been given to do, the work that we've been given to do. And then what does he say? He say, sink yourself into that. In other words, Throw all of yourself, not into one, but to both. Not just to who you are, not just to navel-gazing, not just to focusing on you, and not just to the work that you've been given, but this tug-of-war and this balance between who God is shaping me to be, the work I've been given to do, the work as a parent, the work in my community, the work in my church, the life God's given me in grace, what he's shaping in my life. It's this balance back and forth. It's like a dance where you're balancing out this thing with God where he's talking to you, shaping you, delivering you of stuff. Yeah. Like deliverance can, sanctification is ongoing. <laughs> There's God sanctifying parts of me year after year after year. His grace covers that. It covers this thing next year. In 2020, it'll be something else. In 2021, it'll be something else. It's this ongoing growth. What's the work you've been given to do? When you're not doing the work that you've been given to do, you get distracted. Yesterday, I was distracted. My little baby, Eden, is walking all over the place, opening every cabinet in, the, in life, in the world, in the kitchen. And I was distracted. I was trying to make her something to eat. And then my wife's useless dog, Carlton, came, came up and wanted, <laughs> wanted some snacks that I was making for Vivian, So I mean, for Eden. So I was like, no, let me give this dog. So we always give him these little carrots, these little mini carrots. So we give him one, and he runs away, and he takes it. And then Eden, I give her like these little baby crackers. I give her one, and I'm like, shoo, I'm trying to make you something, some real food. So I'm trying to make something to eat, shoot them both away, and I'm trying to cook some real food for, for my daughter. And while that's happening, Eden comes back around with a half-eaten carrot. <laughs> and I realized, probably shouldn't be eating after the dog, yeah. Probably shouldn't be sharing snacks with the puppy. I was distracted, right? That distraction led to a delay. That delay meant I had to wash her mouth out and clean her up and kick the dog. No, I didn't kick the dog. But 
you know, it, it distracted. Like when you're not, fo- I was focused on three things, making the food, feeding the dog, feeding the baby, trying to get this, trying to get that. That distraction, I was not focused on just the work that I'd been given, which was feed the baby. I should have figured out a way to just hold the baby and cook like some of you amazing people can do. But um, uh, thank you, my wife. Thank you for your encouragement. <laughs> yep. Thanks. So... He's saying, take who you are and the work you've been given and sink yourself into that. Stay focused on that. That's a big task at hand. What would it like, look like for you to throw all of yourself into the season that you've been given? Like, like to draw the line right here from this day forward and say, from this day forward, I'm focused on who God has made me to be and the work he's put in my hand. And to put distractions away that will eventually put delays away, that will put discouragement and depression away, that will keep you focused on the task at hand. What would it look like? What would it look like to not live on the edge anymore? What would it look like in your finances? What would it look like in your life? What would it look like in your time? How would your whole time management in your life be? What would it look like with the way you interact with people? What would it look like in the relationships you're building if you are focused? He says, sink yourself into that. You know, when Jesus called us to be disciples, that word disciple actually means to be a student and to be a learner. Right? Have you seen in, in you know, in certain forms of martial arts, they'll refer to their, their trainer or their master as sensei, as a teacher. As, as th- this is pretty much how, how Jesus is, is communicating our relationship with him, that he, we are his disciples, that we're learning from him consistently. That we're doing that careful exploration of our own lives where we're continually coming back to him and following him. Paul says this next. He says, don't be impressed with yourself. Don't be impressed with yourself. Now, I don't know if you're impressed with yourself. And and I don't know if any of us would have the audacity to say, oh, yeah, I'm better than that person. Maybe we would. Maybe we wouldn't. I don't know how, how what's going on inside. But I think the majority of us would probably not look at someone and say, I'm better than you. But I think we might think, I'm more important than you. My time's more important than your time. My life is more important than your life. My schedule is more important than your schedule. Uh, my talent's more important to this earth and to what. But I, I think there's something in all of us that if we're not careful, we may not say from a prideful place, I'm better than you, but we might think we're more important than people. And Paul's warning us here, hey, if you want to stay on track, do a careful explanation of who you are and the work you've been given. Throw yourself into that. And then once you get successful, hey, don't think you're all that. Don't be impressed with yourself. It's the grace of God that you're even alive. (laughs) That you're even alive. Some of you more than others. I know for me, for sure. I know for my wife. For sure, for me, from just past living and my wife, just the miracle stuff last year, just the miracle of being alive. Pretty phenomenal. Don't be impressed with yourself. You don't know how much you need God until you're in the hospital with your wife counting ounces, point this and point that. If this doesn't raise, her kidneys fail. If this doesn't raise, her liver fails. If this doesn't raise, all these multiple things going on in the medical world that you, that you, you just think it's healthy or unhealthy. It's multifaceted. And, and your, your awareness is just, is just educated so deeply in your dependency on God when you see just how much is it work to keep you alive. It'll shake you and break you, man. 
Don't be impressed with yourself is what he's saying. It's a warning against pride. That's how we stay on track, right? And then he says, don't compare yourself with others. We talked about this a little bit last week, but I'll say it like this in a phrase that I've heard. Comparison is the thief of joy. Comparison's the thief of joy. I mean, there's, there's, there's no easy way to get unhinged from comparing yourself. You just have to day by day learn not to do that <laughs> by saturating yourself in the goodness and the grace of God with gratitude by just thanking him. Hey, I'm just glad to be alive, man. God, thank you for the gifts. Don't have the job I want. Thank you for the job I want. Don't have the career that I wanted. Thank you for the career that I had. Don't have the wife I want. Lord, give me another wife. Okay, we can't pray that one. You can't pray that one. You might think that one, but you can't pray that one, right? Comparison is the thief of joy. Hebrews 12.1, he says, Since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders. Get this. Since we're running this race that's marked out for us, since there's a great cloud of witness that's watching us, he's talking about the heavenly, the people who've gone before us, the people who prayed for us, the people we knew, the people we didn't know. I never met Janelle's grandfather, but he was a missionary down in Mexico. Used to pray for her, used to pray all the time for her. I didn't even know this. I'm probably part of the legacy of his prayers. We don't even know who's been praying for us. Since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off Everything that hinders us, what's hindering you in this season that's keeping you from sinking yourself into everything that we're talking about, who you are and the work you've been given to do? What's, what's hindering you? And he said, and then the sin that so easily entangles. You see, that's what sin does. It doesn't just mess you up and mess your heart up. It entangles your life. This is what sin does. It, it's not just something that you learn to hide. It's something that destroys the way you even see and think. The way we talk about people, when, when, when Paul's talking about all these things further on in the New Testament, how we've put these away, the, the lust of the flesh and, and all of these things, you know, the way we talk about people and slander and gossip and backbiting and stealing and sexual sin and all these things that we just kind of learn to cover and hide. He's saying, these are the things that entangle you. You ever been entangled? This is what he's talking about. To be tangled up, right, is to be tied up. This is what sin will do to us. He's saying... Throw that stuff off so that you can sink yourself into who you are and what I've called you to do. See, comparison is a dangerous game because you start comparing your journey to someone else's. You compare your race. It doesn't say in this verse, and run the race with perseverance, the race that's marked out for you, that's comparable to the person next to you. It says, run the race that's marked out for us, which means... Hey, you may be a better parent than me. Maybe I can learn from you, but I'm not trying to be like you. I'm trying to learn from you, but I got to run the race I'm called to be, right? Run the race I'm called to run. Uh, You and I are not out to prove anything to anyone. And maybe that's some of the pressure that you are under today. Maybe some of that pressure came self-imposed or family-imposed or, well, this is the way we've always done it in our family, and this is what we always do at the holidays, and this is what, well, that's what you've always done at the holidays, and that's what you've always done with your life, but this is my life, and I'll try to work with some of that, but there's a race that's marked out for me, and it requires specific things that I have to weigh up, and I can't please everybody, but I can work to please God in every facet of my life, and if he's pleased and you're not, 
I'm okay with that. Some of us have to be a little more comfortable saying those things because the pressures that I often hear people communicating are pressures that were put on them uh, with family expectations or, well, this is what your brother's doing or this is what your sister's doing or that's what your mom worked so hard for. It's kind of, okay, okay, we're adults now. We're adults. We got the living Holy Spirit inside of us. We have a race marked out for us. Who am I and what is the work that I've been called to do? That's how I come back to center and learn to stay on track. Not comparing myself to what they think or what someone else thinks or what they're disappointed with or trying to live up to not disappointing. You ever find yourself doing that with people? You live up to a certain way with certain family members or friends because of their expectations. They're not even your expectations. They're their expectations. I'm just going to leave that because I keep fumbling with it. I'm just going to kick it over there so I quit playing with it. So, Comparisons are nasty things. Sometimes people can put expectations on you and try and get you to live at a standard that you never even agreed to. We see this in Matthew chapter 20. Two of the disciples, James and John, the mother comes and says to Jesus, Grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right hand and the other at your left hand in the kingdom. I'm wondering, first of all, did James and John even want that? Were they trying to be elevated to this place next to Jesus? Or or was the mom just like, oh, there's a lot of good stuff and we come from a family that didn't have anything going on around and we didn't have money and we didn't have influence and nobody thought we were important, but now my James and John are important. And uh, go, mijo, go, 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 stand next to Jesus. Go, mijo, go, 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 go. Jesus, this is my mijo. Mira, mira, see. He's He's very handsome and he's strong. And could he be at your right and the other one at your left? you know could, could, is this what was going on like in her mind that she was getting some validation of where she thought her kids were going to be because she was comparing her life to other people's lives and maybe their sons and daughters had done something with their life and hers hadn't they had just been chosen by some wild crazy man and it was an embarrassment but all of a sudden now it's going somewhere and Jesus is doing miracles and now they're thinking hey this maybe it made her feel good And now she's comparing her life to lives that that she's not supposed to be comparing. The disciples then in this next part of the chapter, then they got all angry and they started fighting amongst each other. Because they're all fighting about who's going to be next to Jesus' right hand. They're not even supposed to be doing that either. Does that kind of resemble some of our lives sometimes? We're fighting expectations of what other people had for us. And now we're fighting with other people about what we should be doing or shouldn't be doing. Don't compare yourself to others. Here's lastly. Take responsibility. This is a great, great part of the verse. He says, take responsibility, each of us, for doing the creative best that you can with your own life. Each of you, take responsibility for doing the creative best. Not not doing perfect, not doing everything perfect, just doing the creative best you can with your own life. What's the best that you can do right now in this season with what God has has placed in front of you? The best you can do. What's the creative best? Where you can focus on who you are and the work you've been given to do. You can throw yourself, sink yourself into that, give all of yourself to that. See, because some of us are dissatisfied. 
right? With, with kind of where we are in the season that we're in. Sometimes with children, you can feel slowed down. Like, oh, I'm just, I feel like so slowed down. But you're probably not going to change it anytime. I've got one of these little ones. These little rugrats will suck all your time up. They're just, your time is just like being just dumped away. And yesterday, my little girl, she must have said dad, dad like 50 times. Because I was just spending the whole day with her. It's good moments like that where they just teach you, you know what, man, I can throw myself. I'm not getting anything else to done, done today at all. It's not going to happen. But this moment, I could throw all of myself into this and not be distracted. I could take good stock of who I am and the work I've been given to do. I'll do some of that tomorrow. Today, this is good work to do, to focus on this little munchkin right here. Give her my best attention, right? Some of us taking responsibility means that we have to acknowledge that maybe some of the stuff that we're, we're, we're frustrated by that's not happening at the speed that we, we want it to happen or the way we think it should go or we're not being elevated or promoted or positioned in the way that we think we should when other people around us at work are, are moving forward. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Who are you and what is the work that you've been given to do? Do a careful exploration of that. Sink yourself into what's in front of you. You don't know what God has ahead of you. Take responsibility. Do your creative best with what you've got in front of your life. Don't be impressed by yourself. Don't compare yourself to others. I'll wrap it up with this verse, Colossians 3, 17. This is how you do that. He says, whatever you do, whether it's in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him means at the end of the day, I've got enough self-awareness to know, you know what, I'm doing the best I can. I'm doing this in the name of the Lord. I'm being the best mom I can. I'm being the best dad I can. I'm being the best provider I can. I'm not going to give myself a checkout to, to, to complain and give excuses. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to lean into his grace. I'm not, I'm not going to sink into this self-pity. There's no, nothing's going to get accomplished there with self-pity. Not one thing. Can I get an amen for that, right? I come in. We can go there, but we got to pull ourselves out real quick because it just gets deeper and deeper once we go there. Whatever you do in word and deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. And at the same time, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You know, it'll quickly change gears when you just start thanking God for everything that you have. Just start thanking him for everything that you have. Your heart will shift, your mind will shift, your attitude will shift. It may even change the situation quicker than you think. Come on, let's pray this morning. Father, I thank you that we are a people that want to stay on track. We want to finish well. We don't want to just run the race. We want to finish the race that's marked out for us in our life with who we are and what you've given us to do. Lord, I pray this morning for every person here that might be struggling with comparison. Lord, I pray that you would break the shackles off of people today of comparison where they feel they're comparing their own lives to other lives around them where maybe they're feeling like they have to live under the expectations of siblings or parents or friends or maybe self-imposed 
things that people have put on their lives. Lord, I pray that you would release us from that. Lord, teach us to live as we do a careful exploration. Live according to who you say we are so that we can focus on the work that we've been given, so that we can take responsibility and do the creative best we can with our life. This morning, if I could just pray for two particular things. The first thing would be, in order to stay on track, you have to be on track. And I'd like to ask this morning if your life, your relationship with God is on track, if your life is on track. And the way we know that is Jesus invites us into this life to follow him and to learn from him and to grow with him. Not just to make a decision about who he is or to even say that we believe in him, but he calls us to not just believe, but to follow and remain following him. He wants to develop this relationship with us. And he's asking this morning the same thing to you as he asked me when I made this decision to follow him. And it's this, will will you count the cost of what your life is right now? And will you follow him? He's saying what that's going to entail is it's going to entail a change internally and eternally. On the inside, he'll change you. And eternally, it sets you into the pathway of eternity where you stand before him with every sin forgiven, all shame broken, everything over your life that could ever hold you back is forgiven because of what he's accomplished on the cross. If that's you this morning, you're saying, I need to get on track with God. You just lift your hand so I could just pray for you. You're not on track and you want to be on track. Thank you, friend. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Once you put it up, you can you can put it down. You know, churches, a lot of hands just went up. I just want you to be praying for those whose hands went up. The second thing I want to pray for is people who've been on track. Maybe you're mixed up in some of those things I'm talking about. You're, you're not doing a careful exploration of who you are. You've almost kind of let yourself go and Maybe you're not sinking yourself into all that's in front of you. Maybe you're distracted. Or maybe you're comparing yourself. Maybe you're, maybe you're really impressed with yourself. Maybe you found yourself even a, with a mindset where you're, you're pridefully thinking about your future. And you can, I know there's times in my life I've become angry and arrogant and just uh, self-focused. And, 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 and God will, will graciously shake you out of that and humble you and teach you how to walk humble. Maybe you're not taking responsibility for your life, doing the creative best you can with your life in this season. That's the other thing I'm praying for today. That you would step into that life that he has for you. Where grace covers you and propels you forward. If that's you this morning, you're saying, pray for me, Daniel. I want to stay on track. I want to finish this season well. 
I just need, I need help in this particular area. If that's you, would you just lift your hand as well so I can see who I'm praying for? Thank you, thank you. Lots of hands going up, too many to count. The Lord hears your prayers this morning. He hears the cry of your heart. What I'd love for us to do is just pray together as a church for those who've decided to put their life in the hands of Jesus, to trust him with their life, a life that's forgiven, and then pray for those of us who want to stay on track. Let's stand up this morning and we'll pray. If you would like the most up-to-date information about Grace Avenue Church, or you are looking for a way to support this ministry, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks for listening.